Hi, everyone. My name is Jonathan Fries, and you are listening to What the Fuck? Where we talk about topics that have caused so much damage, people don't come to church anymore. I'm the senior pastor of Music of Life Church, Appleton, and I'm joined by the senior pastor of Music of Life Church, Kimberly, Pastor Joel Swikowski. How's it going, Pastor Joel? It's going really well, Pastor Jonathan. Thank you for being here, as always, to be our amazing teacher. And today's topic is sovereignty. What is the background of this topic, Pastor Joel? Yeah, well, thanks for having me. I look forward to uh, digging into this topic. So sovereignty is another term, another concept that the church has adapted that essentially means that God is in complete control over everything. I actually see this as a lazy man's version of the three omnis. Ah. Yeah. There's some recent church history that I'd like to go through. Awesome. That will really show how this doctrine of sovereignty has implement has been adapted by the church. There is a term called the godless Christianity movement. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get into what this is and how it came to be. You know, this, this was something that started in the mid sixties around that time, but is very relevant. So actually in April, 2009, Newsweek ran a cover story titled the end of Christian America question mark. The point of the article was to explain why people in America are fleeing the church. Something very near and dear to yours and mine heart. Correct. But in this article in Newsweek, I'm going to read some of, some of the, the information that was expressed. So here's something that said the term, the Godless Christianity Movement, this term was popularized during what scholars call the Death of God Movement mm-hmm. in the mid-1960s a movement that is in its way still in motion. Remember, this was written in 2009. Right. The death of God was drawing from Nietzsche's 19th century declaration that God is dead. A group of Protestant theologians held that essentially Christianity would have to survive without an orthodox or a traditional understanding of who God is. This religious professor named Tom Altizer, a professor from Emory University, was a key member of the Godless Christianity movement. And he traced its intellectual roots first to Kierkegaard and then to Nietzsche. For Altizer, a post-Christian era is one in which both Christianity and religion itself are unshackled from their previous historical grounds. I mean, the, the previous foundation of these, of Christianity and religion are no longer applicable. Hmm. Furthermore, this article expressed that for the church, religion shall mean for us the feelings, the acts, and the experiences of individual men in their solitude so far as they apprehend themselves 
to stand in relation to whatever they consider the divine. Hmm. So that's just some of what was written in that article in Newsweek. But for over 50 years in America, the church has intentionally chosen to go without an orthodox understanding of God. The church has intentionally chosen not to define God. The church has intentionally chosen not to understand what God is like. And actually, A.W. Tozer warned us of this in his book, The Pursuit of God. Famous book, famous theologian, A.W. Tozer. He said, before the Christian church goes into eclipse anywhere, there must first be the corrupting of her simple, basic theology. She simply gets a wrong answer to the question, what is God like? Though she may continue to cling to a sound nominal creed, her practical working creed has become false. The masses of her adherents come to believe that God is different from what he actually is. And that is heresy of the most insidious and deadly kind. A.W. Tozer also wrote this in the 60s as well. So we've been warned of this. And really, you know, the history of this topic of sovereignty, of this explanation of who God is, is founded in a belief that God is dead and ignoring the warning from one of the great 20th century theologians who said, who my paraphrase what A.W. Tozer said, mm -hmm. the church may say what they believe. They may say they believe these things about God, but the way the behaviors of the church are actually coming out is the effect of a false view of who God is. The church can no longer explain who God is in his nature. And then in that, um, 2009 Newsweek article, you, you know, you are reading that people will experience religion in solitude, right. meaning is that saying that essentially you're going to come up with your own beliefs about who God is right. like so yourself? Yeah. So we're seeing the connection to the Omni's episode, right? Where this is still, um, Regardless of what is taught to me, regardless of what any orthodox view of who God is, I'm coming up with my own explanation for what I think the divine is mm. or who God is. Wow. So everyone is, is essentially creating their own belief about God or everyone's, it, as far as to say, everyone's creating their own God. Right. And what what they ought to be like. They I say they and he or she and so on. So what's a really basic explanation of who God is without any orthodox understanding of him? God's in complete control of everything. Mm. Like I said, a very lazy man's version of the omnis. I don't have to get into where he is, what he knows, what his power is. You know what? God's in complete control of everything. Just that's the one-off. So how do how have people been hurt by this in the church? 
well, defining sovereignty as God is in complete control over everything mm-hmm. is yet another explanation for God that is contradictory, leading to both flawed views of God and flawed views of salvation. So this is, you know, it, it's interesting. This is the, the major conflict of the church is we have an explanation of God that is based in a godless Christianity movement. Wow. It's scary. Yeah, it is. So people that believe this, can they support their position in the Bible or how do they do that? Yeah, they can. If I was going to now, now here, similar to the Omnis, this concept, the, the, or the word sovereignty is a term that is not in the King James version of the Bible. Mm. However, again, that doesn't mean the concept doesn't exist. So if I was to say, I believed in sovereignty and I believe that sovereignty means God's in complete control over everything. I could use a verse like Ephesians 1.11. And what this says is, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So complete control over everything, meaning everything's mapped out. That's what, you know, really this verse I, is a good, it's a good one for us to discuss because it also introduces the hidden part of sovereignty, which is the doctrine of predestination. Mm. Everything's already happened. God's outside of time and he, and the future already has happened. We don't have a free will. God's in complete control of everything. Mm. So that God's in complete control over everything. The implications of that are everything's been predetermined. I don't have a free will. What God says, you know, God already knows what's going to happen before it happens, all that stuff. It exposes all those beliefs about sovereignty expose or have within them a myriad of contradictions. Mm. So if someone was coming at me with this belief that God is sovereign and they were attacking me, damaging me, how would I defend myself against them? Well, you could ask the person, you could ask them, do you have a free will? You could ask them if, if you're not in control, what drives you to make the choices you do? Now, these people might just say, God, God's in control. He chooses what I do. Okay, well, if that's the case, some other questions that I think get, get even deeper is, so if you don't have a free will, you don't ever get mad at people then, do you? Uh-huh. Because right? whatever would make you mad, because if that was the case, wouldn't you be getting mad at something God made happen? Plus, I mean, so really the, the, any point in time that asking these questions about being mad is, is great when it comes down to sovereignty and God being in complete control. Cause anytime I get upset, if I believe God's in complete control over everything, then the implication is I'm getting upset at God's will. Nice. And then, you know, there's also the questions like this question is great too, is if God's in complete control, is he intentionally choosing to cause evil in the world? Now, these are questions we talked about last episode, right? A lot of times we won't get answers to these. We try to hold the people to answer them for their own benefit. But a lot of times, 
remember what we're trying to do here, at least in these podcasts, what we're trying to do is give, give you the listener, the information, the, the tools you need to be able to help yourself in these situations. Cause a lot of times the religious leaders who are preaching this stuff, they're being abusive with it. And that's where the damage is happening. Awesome. So to kind of summarize where we're at so far, sovereignty, this topic is another concept that man has brought to the church. He called it, you know, the lazy man's version of the omnis. God is in complete control of everything and it's resulted in more confusion. Yeah, really. If you look at, so we've done God is love. We've done the omnis An answer that we could have if somebody was to say, well, there's though, you know, pastor Jonathan, those God is love and the omnis, they don't make sense. Your answer to excuse all of those contradictions could just be this. Well, you know what? God's in complete control. And that's where sovereignty comes in. There you go. Awesome. So why don't we move on to the loose perspective? Actually, you know what? Before we do that, why don't we take a call from Pastor Richard Tater? All right, let's do it. All right, Dick, you're on the line. Hello, yes, this is Pastor Richard Tater calling from McMillan, Alabama. Gentlemen, you have ventured into heresy. Both of you need to repent from this discussion before you go too far. But if God wants them to say this, then they are doing God's will. Anyway, go ahead. Keep doing God's will by trying to take people off course. Does God need them to be evil to bring about his will? So God created these boys in order to bring about his will by leading people into hell? I I, I know I'm saved. Am I saved? If I was, I'd be trying to stop God's will by Hello? Pastor Dick? Are you there? Hello? Oh, okay. Looks like Pastor Dick hung up. Hmm. Pastor Joel, yeah. uh yeah. Any any thoughts? Any any comments? Yeah, wow. Um, I hope he, I hope Pastor Taylor's okay. I mean, he sounded just like the people we've helped get off antidepressants. Oh. And we're actually going to talk about that in a coming episode. Pastor Taylor, if you can still hear, hear us, if you're still on, if you're still listening, please stay tuned over the next few episodes. We're going to we're going to be unpacking a lot of this and uh Yeah, we appreciate your call. Wow. Yeah. Well, thanks for saying that. All right, Pastor Joel, what is the other side of this argument? What is the loose perspective? It can be summed up by this concept called the emergent church. The emergent church is really what's come out of this godless Christianity movement. It's really this idea of a church that universalism exists and we really don't have definitions to any of the terms that, that make up the, the faith that we hold to be true. And really what this gets down to then is this belief, this loose side is 
nothing really matters because mm-hmm. I'm not responsible. And if things have already dis- been decided for me, and if things, and those things are also things I can't understand, then what's the point? You know, and one, you know, and also the implication is I don't even need to read my Bible. God's in complete control over everything. So what's the point? Wow. So how have people been hurt by that perspective? Well, people don't read their Bible. Mm. I mean, if God's in complete control, he's in control over how much I read it anyways. Right. But Mm. so these people, they don't think they have to be responsible for their actions yet. They still get upset at others when they're not understood for their actions. And we're going to see, well, we brought up depression a couple times in some episodes. We're going to see that depression is caused by judging others and then rationalizing the same behavior when you do it. And we're also going to see that the way to get off antidepressant medication is to understand God's definitions for the words God used. Wow. So how would you defend yourself against someone who is coming at you with this perspective. I'd ask them, would they be okay? Would you be okay if I projected my definitions on the words you use? Mm. Why is it okay for you to do that to God then? Why is it okay for us to make these projections onto God about what he cares about? Yeah. How is it okay for me to say God's in complete control over everything And also say, nothing matters and project all of those beliefs on it as if it's God's fault. Would you be okay if I did that to you? Mm. So I want to unpack this predestined concept a little bit. Cool. Because if you look up, some of these definitions aren't that hard to get. You get a concordance and you look up the word predestined in the original Greek language. It says right there, that word actually means limited in advance. We're all predestined in some way as a male. I'm limited in in advance to not bear children. Another way you can see this is we're, all humans are limited in advance or predestined to either end up in heaven or hell. And actually, C.S. Lewis stated in his final book that this belief, this flawed belief of predestination, was created by a man named Boethius who lived from 480 to 524 A.D., And he said, if, as its doctrine of providence implies, God sees all things that are, were, or will be in a single act of mind, and thus foreknows my actions, how am I free to act otherwise than he has foreseen? (laughs) So this is a really good... poses this really great question as an effective 
this flawed view of predestination being there are certain things God has already seen that not even certain God knows everything you're ever going to do, every choice you're ever going to make, every thought you're ever going to have. Doesn't that belief contradict free will? The definition of sovereignty is actually, what's interesting is you brought up when we talked about omnipotent being defined as all ruling, according to the Greek, you brought up really this concept, this idea of what sovereignty ought to be defined as. If I'm going to define sovereignty in a non-contradictory fashion, it's more in line with all ruling, or in other words, someone who answers to no one. Sovereignty means in a non-contradictory way, if I'm going to use that word and I want it to be non-contradictory, it means to answer to no one. So we know God definitely doesn't answer to anyone. So in that, in that case, he would be sovereign according to this definition. However, him not being, him not answering to anyone has nothing to do with whether or not we can understand who he is has nothing to do with whether or not he's holy. Because here's a, here's a contrastive example for you. Hitler, Hitler's Germany, the nation of Germany under Hitler was sovereign. Hitler's Germany didn't answer to another country. Did that make Hitler holy? Hmm. We don't even have to answer that, right? Right. Obviously right. not. Right. So when you see this going on in the church, Pastor Joel, what are your thoughts? These two sides of the perspective when it comes to sovereignty, what do you see? I, I often wonder if people in church really know who God is. Mm-hmm. It actually, as scary as it is, I actually wonder sometimes how many people in the church in America are actually saved. So it's, it's scary. It's alarming. And the more and more we talk about these, these areas of damage and the more and more those areas get to the heart of flawed views of who God is the more alarming it becomes. Mm. But there's, you know, there's these categories of people we see. There's the people we feel sorry for. And a lot of this is going to, this is going to relate a lot to what we've talked about as, as, you know, in the God is love episode and also in the Omni's episode, but there's a few things that are different that I want to touch on here. And we're feeling sorry for the people who realize that their belief about sovereignty as great as it sounds to have a God who is in complete control over everything results in God being blamed for their destructive behavior and their destructive thoughts, including depression. Right. So we yeah. feel sorry. Like I've actually had conversations with pastors who are depressed, mm-hmm. who through conversations about sovereignty, whether they're directly saying it or not, a major implication of their depression is that it's God's fault. Right. God must want me to be depressed. Mm. I feel bad for those people. Right. It's not, 
a great way to live. There's the people that we understand why they do what they do, why they believe what they believe. These are people who know that God must not be in control, but they don't know what God is responsible for. Yeah. And what they're responsible for. It's like, what part is God's responsibility? What part's Mm. mine? Nice. Yeah. So these people, they've learned to protect themselves, but they still don't have the right answer. Sure. And then there's the, the people we're impressed with. These are the people who recognize they're responsible for their own behavior, for their own beliefs, for their own thought process. And they can't justly blame God for the bad decisions they've made. Mm. These people that we are impressed with have heeded the warning from A.W. Tozer. And they have a non-contradictory explanation for God's nature or as what A.W. Tozer said, for what God is like. The answer is not the loose perspective. The answer is not the strict perspective, the answer is something else, Pastor Joel. So what is the ultimate answer that you can give us in relation to sovereignty? The ultimate answer comes down to the non-contradictory definition of sovereignty, Mm. God's definition. And as this relates to God, the ultimate answer would be is God answers to no one. Nice. Another way to say that, that makes helps me see another way that makes more sense. He's the ultimate authority. Mm. Like a sovereign nation, right? Like we talked about Germany, you could apply that to any sovereign nation. What it means to be a sovereign nation is they don't answer to anybody. That nation is its own ultimate authority. God is the ultimate sovereign. God is the ultimate authority. There is no one, no thing, no person, no place, no being, no concept that God answers to. Hmm. That's what it means for God to be sovereign. Uh, Thank you so much, Pastor Joel. This has been What the Flock. Thanks for listening, everyone. And remember, if you've been hurt by church, you're not alone. We're here for you.